I'll let you know. So you're in John chapter 14. Tonight, I want to talk about a proclamation with promise. The Bible is full of proclamations. Let me just mention several of them. We're not going to look at them. But in beginning of Genesis, there's a proclamation by God that he says that his creation is very good. That's what he proclaims. Secondly, in Genesis, we're told in chapter 3 that there's a proclamation that Satan is not going to win the victory, that a Messiah is promised and the seed will come. Thirdly, still in the book of Genesis, that God proclaims that there's going to be a worldwide flood because the world has become very wicked. In the book of Exodus, chapter 20, God from Mount Sinai through Moses, proclaims his law. In Luke, the angel Gabriel has a proclamation to a virgin girl by the name of Mary that she's been chosen to be the mother of the Christ. And in the same book of Luke, chapter later, angels make a divine proclamation to rejoice, telling the shepherds that in the city of David... A Savior has been born. Another one, in the book of John, there's a proclamation from the cross by Jesus Christ that his work, his mission is finished. That the holiness of the Father has been vindicated, Satan will be defeated, sin will be defeated, and death will be defeated. Finally, number eight, just as a reminder, we've been in Genesis going to Revelation chapter 21, God, through Jesus Christ, makes the announcement or proclamation that he's going to make all things new going into the kingdom. So, that's just, a, you know, some of them that came to mind. But we have another proclamation with promise, and it's here in John chapter 14. And I think it's appropriate this week, and for all of us at any time, but especially this week, about this promise. So you're there and uh, reflect on this wonderful proclamation and promise that Christ made on the night before he died. Let me read it into yours. It's the first three verses, well known. We've heard it many times, but here we go. Jesus speaking says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. When you're studying for a message of these three verses, uh, in the books they call the commentaries by scholars, Uh, There's always a a diversity of opinion, of view. And in this passage, there's there's three ways that you can look at it. And the idea of Christ coming, Christ returning. Uh, The one we see in Acts chapter 1 is that when Christ ascends from the Mount of Olives, uh, the angels uh, say to the apostle, you know, why are you looking up? This Jesus, this Christ, this Messiah who you have watched 
going up into the heavens, he will return in the same way. And so we know there's going to be a return of Jesus Christ literally when he steps onto the Mount of Olives. There is also the coming of Jesus Christ when he comes to meet the saints in the air in what we call the rapture. And so he's coming there. And people will look and see him coming through the sky. This is known as the parousia, the coming of the Jesus Christ for the saints in the rapture. The one I'd like to look at and, and do some application here tonight is the coming of Christ when he comes to each and every one of his saints individually when we depart this world and step over into eternity. And we think this week especially of the homegoing uh, of our sister, uh, our sister Nat and, and, and Pam, uh, their daughter, and we just are thankful that Karen is now with her Lord. And we just want to look at this here uh, in this situation here. And I have some P words for you. Let not your heart be troubled. This is a command. And uh, it's God for our own sake, speaking through Jesus. This is Jesus speaking here, saying, you know, this is the time when Peter has thumped his chest and said, though all the rest of the apostles leave and desert you, I'll, I'll stay here for you, Lord. I'll fight the good fight, and I'll stick with you. Even if I have to die, I will stick with you. And the Lord Jesus says, oh, is that so, Peter? And he says, let me tell you something. Next morning, before all this happens, you will deny me. You will deny me three times before the cock crows. And so he basically rebukes Peter and basically is saying to Peter that what you said you promised me is, is not going to, you're all going to scatter. So they're disturbed by that. They're also disturbed by the fact that Judas has left. And to that point, they didn't really know until Christ took that sop of bread and handed it to him. They were looking at each other and saying like, well, who is it? Because Judas had been such a wily deceptor. They didn't know to then who the betrayer was. But the real big thing about let not your heart be troubled is because of this. And that is because a loved one is leaving. And in this case, the loved one who is leaving is the Lord Jesus Christ. These were the men who had left everything. They'd left their jobs, their occupations, their livelihood. They'd left their families. They'd left their homes. Jesus Christ said, follow me, and they dropped everything, and that's just what they did. And for three and a half years, they've been with him day and night. Now, he sent them out on some mission trips, but basically, they've been all over Israel, and they have learned from him. They've talked with him. They've slept at his side through the night. Uh, they've eaten meals together, and they love him. Peter has even said, you know, when some people left, when the crowds would start to melt away and go because of hard statements, that Jesus said, what about you? And Peter said, speaking for the other apostles, where would we go? Who else but you have the words of life, eternal life? And so now he has told them in some messages, he said that he's going to depart, that he's going to go home. And they are disturbed. They are shattered. They are in pain and they are souring because a loved one is leaving. And that is a very, very deep hurt. But yet, I just want to say the force of this, 
Jesus is not, in this first verse, he's not saying like, oh, I wish I didn't have to go. I really feel bad. Do you think there's any way you could find it in your heart to forgive me for, for doing this? No. He's looking at them, and he says to them, you're troubled, you're shattered, you're just so sad, you are in a state of mourning, but I'm telling you, stop it. Do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus loves them enough to be honest with him. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. So he's telling them that even though you are in pain, he gives them this letter, the second P word, you believe in God, believe also in me. What, what does that mean? What, do you, it's even, what is the most favorite well-known verse? You've even seen it show up behind the plate at baseball games. What, what is the most well-known verse of all time? John three sixteen, And this is the principle. When he says to them, you believe in God, believe also in me, because I and my Father are one. How is it that we're here tonight? Why is it I'm on planet Earth? Why is it I'm going to go to the cross tomorrow? Why are you sick? Why is all this? It's because the Father loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And the Son has to love them too because the Father and the Son are always in complete union. That whosoever should believe it to them should not perish but have everlasting life. So he is saying to them, men, apostles, stop allowing your heart to be troubled. Stop the pity party. Stop all of these kind of things. You believe in God, believe also in me. He loves you, and I love you, and right now, I'm going to make a proclamation right here at this time, and there's going to be a proclamation from me to you that is a great promise. And in that, you'll be able to find your joy, you'll be able to find your peace once again. What is the proclamation? We find it here in 2 and 3. And this is a proclamation, not just of information, but a proclamation which is a promise. And when Jesus Christ makes a promise, he will keep that promise. And I will tell you that since it's inscripturated here, if God only intended it for those men that night, it wouldn't have to be in the blessed book. Because what he said to those men that night, he says to each and every one of us here tonight, male and female, doesn't matter how old you are, your education, you know, it doesn't matter about anything, it's a promise to you. This promise is not based on the fact that they're apostles. When we see the word in here, you know, I have told you I go pre prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, he's not talking just to these 11 men because of their title. That Well, they're apostles, so they're getting special treatment. Wish I was an apostle. That's not what it is about. No, this promise that we're going to look at is not based on their title. It's based on the fact that each of these men are what I hope each one of us is here tonight. They're believers. They are believers. And therefore, it is because that they have believed the truth that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is far more than a carpenter. But he is, in fact, the long-promised Savior God come in the flesh the anointed one, the Mashiach, the king of the Jews, the one who will rule the whole world and the whole universe for that matter. Because they have believed this truth 
And they have turned to him and repented of their sin. And they have received him. They've placed their trust in him. He's saying, I'm making this promise to you. I'm making this promise to you, all of you people, at Berean Baptist Church on a Wednesday night in August of 2023. When you read these words, it's to you. I love the words, and we're not going to turn to it. But you remember there in John chapter 20, Doubting Thomas, he's not there the first time Jesus shows up and he says, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to believe it until I see him. Next time Jesus shows up and he says to Thomas, come over here. And he says, you know, look at my hands. Place your fingers inside where the spear went. Now Thomas believes and he kneels and he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, oh Yeah. You believe now, now that you see me? He says, yes, now you believe. But he says, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's a message to you and I. We've never seen Jesus, never heard his voice. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe in him. So we're all in this too. So he starts out, first of all, and he he talks about a place. He says, in my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so... I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, which is heaven, are many dwelling places, are many residences. And it's plenteous, it's spacious. It's not going to be cramped. It's not where you've got to get on a waiting list to get your room in heaven. Well, we're waiting for this person to pass away. When's that going to happen? Never. Oh, rats. Don't have to worry about it. There's room for everyone. And that's what it's talking about here. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. We see this all the time. We get a TV or on the radio or something like that. says, hey, (laughs) boy, you want to get out to Discount City this weekend because we've got this unbelievable sale. You better get out here yesterday because, you know, it's only going to be for a limited time. Now, limited time means until they sell the last one. Or, hey, you better get down here or sales at us. And you know what? (laughs) There's only so many of them. We just have a few in stock. So when they're gone, they're gone. And he says, oh, wow, it's it's all limited. It's all, you know, no. What he's saying here, if there were any sense of like, in my father's house are many mansions, then the apostles would think like, well, you know, what's what's it going to be like when I get there? There's a lot of people that got got there ahead of me. Or what about you and I here? Wow. So like, what about some of those uh, places up there, uh, you know, up on the brow there? Uh, <laughs> those were taken by the 5th century. No, you're, you're down here by the river down here, okay? You know, they're, so they're, uh, uh, what's, what's the name of this part of the, the heavenly city? It's called Pup Tet Place. Oh, no. There's going to be plenty for everyone. Many mansions, it's going to be plenteous. Now, can we make this quickly right now to understand that he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Let me ask you something. Have you ever read or ever heard the scripture, God has also prepared another place? Is there anywhere in scripture that God says, I have prepared a a place, another place, a different place for certain individuals? Yeah. There's a place that God has prepared And it was prepared for the devil and his angels. 
You want to go to that place? No. Beachfront property at the Lake of Fire. But who wants to go? Nobody. The reason why he says, I have a place for you, what he means is simply this. He says it at the end. He says uh, at the end of verse 3 where he gives it away. He says, where I am, there ye may be also. What makes heaven heaven? What makes that place up there such a special place? It's not the location. It's the Lord. As long as the Lord Jesus Christ is there, aren't we agreed on this? If I'm with Jesus, I don't care where he goes. I don't care where we live. It doesn't matter to me. Jesus says, I'm going to be heading out. You guys at Brian want to follow me? Yes. We're right with you. Please don't go anywhere without taking us along. There is in my father's house, there's many dwelling places. There's many mansions. There's room for all of you. But the most important thing is if there wasn't, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And why it's such a special place is I'm going to be with you and you're going to be with me there forever. He says in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And brothers and sisters, this promise is personal and particular. Now, can these verses also apply to the rapture? Yes. Can it also reply to the second coming, the second advent, when his feet touched down on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem? Yes. There's various ways you can look at this passage and apply it. But I want to ask a question. You know, at the rapture, we said this the other day when we were out in uh, Pine Village, is that at the rapture, it is who? who? Who goes first? The living, those who are alive and remain? Do we go first? If we're, no. Who precedes us? The dead in Christ. And so if you can imagine around this world, all the people that have passed away from the ascension of Jesus Christ till today, millions upon millions of people have been buried or cremated. And so when that rapture takes place and the dead in Christ precede those who are going to be raptured, that's going to be millions. And in that twinkling of an eye, those who are raptured around the world, I don't know how many that's going to be, but I would suggest it's probably also going to be millions. So that's going to be a huge corporate going all at once. And you can apply this. But I want to ask the question here. I'm looking at everybody in this room, and you're looking at me. Those of us who are saved here tonight, we're saved till we know it. Did we all get saved the same year? No. Did we all get saved in the same location? No. Did we all get saved exactly the same way? No. I'm going to suggest to you, because it's the truth, that for all the people in this room, now there may be somebody in here that two people got together and maybe they, they trusted Christ at the same time, but that'd be rare. I would suggest to you that each and one of us got saved by the Lord one at a time. One at a time, in a different year, at a different place, in a different way. I'm also, although, when we look at the word here, uh, it, uh, 
Let me read it again. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Yeah, you can take that as a plural. You can take that as a rapture. You can take that later on. But there's a verse in Scripture that I want to take it to the individual, and that's really what I want to apply here in the minutes I have. 2 Corinthians 5.8 say this. You help me. I'll start the, the one part of it. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When our sister, as I understand it, 1.55 a.m. this last Saturday morning, there came that moment when she departed. And I would say, based on what the Apostle Paul wrote by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the moment you've got this reality, we live in this two phases of reality. Right now, we're in the reality, we're on planet Earth, and we're in this thing called time, which is temporary. And the other reality that's actually more real than the one we're in right now is when a person departs in death and they step over, it's not the end of anything, it's the beginning. Because they've gone from death and departure to deliverance, to the no more pain, no more sorrow. And now they've gone from this temporary thing called time to everlasting eternity. And when we step over, I believe that if Jesus Christ took the time to save us one at a time, and it says in that verse you just quoted, help me, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. It doesn't say anything about a length of time or, well, you, you know, you'll depart, you'll breathe your last breath, and then sometime, we don't know what, but sometime later on, we're going to meet the Lord. No, that's not the way it's presented. The moment we depart from this life, that very same second, we're in the presence of Jesus Christ. I believe he comes for each and every one of us. If he saves us one at a time, he, and as to the apostles, he's talking to them. You read the life of these, uh, these 11 apostles. Did they all die the same year? No. Did they all die in the same location? No. Did they all die the same way? Absolutely not. Ten of them were martyred. John died a natural death. He was boiled in oil, which was, you know, ouch. But he was not actually martyred. And so I just want to use some sanctified imagination. I want you to turn back in the same book of John. I want you to turn back just for a moment to John chapter 10. And like I said, what I'm going to say right now is not necessarily printed word for word in scripture, a little bit of sanctified imagination. But in John chapter 10, I want you to go to verse 4, and Jesus is talking about this, this is the chapter of the great shepherd and his love for the sheep. Verse 4 says this, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, that would be us, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. 
Well, I don't mean to be sensational now, but I do want to be tender because I do want to paint a little bit of a picture here that seems to me that it'd be reasonable. One thing we must always learn when we're talking about departure and that word death, the D word, and leaving this life, we never want to take our cues. We never want to try to get our values or lack of values from the world because the world has no idea. But I personally believe with human eyes, when it's anybody you're thinking about right now who you've lost recently, or most recently our situation with Karen, last week with our sister Juanita, or some other people we know. There is that moment when we don't see with our eyes, we don't hear with our ears. But I want to believe, based on 2 Corinthians 5, 8, that although these folks had never heard his voice, I wouldn't be surprised somehow, some way, a voice would utter and said, my child, I'm here for you. Come to me. Come to me. You who have received me and trusted in me, I've come to receive you. And there may be, based on John 10, 4, though they've never heard that person says, I know that voice. I know that voice, and that is the voice of Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. And then it says there to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord how long do you think it is before we see the Lord Jesus Christ? I think it's instantaneous. And I think in the moment that we hear his voice, that we see Jesus Christ, I think at that moment everything going back into history, everything that we thought was important, everything we thought was so needful, everything we thought was so big, it just disappears. There is only one thing we care about. And that is to be with Jesus Christ and not be anywhere else. And we'll never get tired of that time with him. And we'll be with him. Part of the promise is that it is personal and it's particular. Not everybody, this is not, it says, this promise that I will come and receive you unto myself is only for those who know Jesus Christ. And it is also permanent because once we get there, we will never, ever need to leave again. And so there are just some thoughts I wanted to share with you tonight about John chapter 14. And I trust for all of us as we go through this weekend and we are reminded that for each and every one of us, the day will come. Now, we don't know when the rapture is going to take place, but many of us, we will go the more natural way where there will be that appointed time when we will depart from this world. And if you've repented of your sin and you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be welcomed home by none other than Jesus Christ. Oh, what a day that will be. There'll be no other day like it. That's for sure. With that in mind then, would you stand please just for, we're going to sing this a cappella. Let's turn to hymn number 253. I'm going to start us off, which means all of you need to sing very loudly. We're going to sing one stanza of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Because there's going to be that day when that's what we're going to get to do. Wow. You all there? 253. Going to do the Lawrence Welk here. A one and a two and a three. Oh soul, are you weary and troubled? 
Brother Bob Marion, would you pray and send us on our way, sir? Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. God bless you. We are dismissed.